A grind for the love of the game. With passion, determination, and drive, we strive. We grind for the love of the game. Sifting through messes in the Midwest requires a deep dive. Welcome back to PTJ, everybody. Hey, good to see you, Jitline J. It is good to see you. Grinding through a uh, not even a game time decision. I think we were locked in, but uh, but Nate uh, is is a bit under the weather. My first bout with COVID. I finally got it. I tempted the fate. I talked too much smack that how I can never get it, and uh, I, I finally got it. So I'm on day three here. But uh, but I wanted. But I figured, all right, I got all this free time. I'm sitting at home. Like this is the perfect time to do a little research and uh, and get a pod out. So uh, I'm glad that the timing worked out for this. It actually even opened up the schedule of when we could record. So shout out to COVID for the flexibility <laughs> as well as you. Just want to see you, COVID. <laughs> yes, you, okay. you 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 ruined my steelhead fishing trip this weekend, but uh, <laughs> but opened up a, a recording slot. So it's a you know, somewhat of a push. Despite my temptation to continue engaging in personal COVID talk, uh, I guess we'll get into the pod. So, so welcome back to Projecting the Jump. Thanks uh, to everyone who is watching the video on YouTube. If you're consuming the audio, if you're doing both, um, we appreciate it. Uh, so today we're going to do much like this summer, we had a Houston Rockets deep dive. Uh, that was just one team focus. Today we're doing mini dives. We're going to talk about two teams today. Uh, I've been grinding hard on the Memphis Grizz- Grizzlies. While Natron Clean has been hard at work trying to figure out what the hell's going on in Charlotte. Um, so how are you feeling after uh, getting your head, you know, kind of in the space of, okay, I have to like analyze the Charlotte Hornets from a fantasy perspective. Was that a good time? Oh, I kind of got into that hive mindset a little bit, but. Uh... Lost Natron Clean there. I brought up the Charlotte Hornets. I asked if you were ready and you promptly hung up this, this podcast, didn't you? <laughs> You know the Hornets are a scary, a scary subject to enter into, and uh, apparently even uh, computer software, uh, just the algorithms just didn't even like it at all. So we'll we'll see what we'll see what the clicks look like on this pod. Uh, it, but this isn't this isn't looking good at this point. I think they have special coders to handle processing and Charlotte Hornets information. So uh, if there's anyone listening that uh, does any of that, please reach out to us. We'd appreciate it. So before we get into our mini deep dives on the Grizzlies and the Hornets. We wanted to touch base on some of the bigger news to hit this week, and that would be over in Philadelphia. So I wanted to do a little check-in on the post and bead injury landscape, uh, particularly in the center position. So um, as we know, uh, Joel Embiid, um, he, you know, you don't want to hear Embiid and meniscus and left knee in the same sentence. So there's not a timetable yet. Um, but I had posted on the Projecting the Jump Twitter that I think B-Ball Paul became a swerve your car as you scramble for phone must add a couple days ago, and then he promptly had uh, 30 points and 13 rebounds and a start. Actually, that was just January 27th. That was before the news came out, but that was in a start. Um, so I just wanted to quickly touch on who B-Ball Paul Reed is a little bit, and then just kind of we'll just Paul Reed versus Bamba. So he Paul Reed, a.k.a. B-Ball Paul, was a three-star recruit out of Florida. He went to DePaul. He averaged 15 points, 10 rebounds, and almost three blocks. He was the 58th overall pick in 2020. Can you, Natron Clean, guess who Mr. Irrelevant from that draft was? I'll give you a hint. His last name uh, reminds us of an outdoor outfitter that is popular in Oregon. Hmm. 
Uh, serious something Columbia or uh, I, I don't know who is this. I I don't know. This is your boy Sam Merrill Apparel. He was the 60th oh, pick. Merrill Apparel. <laughs> He's been hanging out, man. Uh, so yeah, the 58th pick <laughs> in the draft. Unfortunately, they missed their uh, chance to grab Sam Merrill there. But traditionally, since uh, he was drafted and when he gets an opportunity, I think that B-Ball Paul is towards the top of our permanent monster list when given the opportunity. So for me, it's a no-brainer when when something like this happens. He's the player I want. Uh, what was your initial take on B-Ball Paul? Were you willing to swerve your vehicle or did you think it was a little closer between him and Bamba than I do? Well, I think uh, first off, I think Mo Bamba, and I've thought this ever since the draft, that he's a giant bust. Uh, I didn't understand why he was drafted so high. It didn't seem like he actually liked basketball out of Texas. Uh, He certainly has all the physical tools, but I think as far as actually having the desire to put it together, it wasn't necessarily there. So I'm not a believer in him long term, Um, although he has had stretches where he he brings a very uh, fantasy friendly uh, profile as far as hitting threes and and blocking shots at a pretty elite level just because of his wingspan and size. So my initial thought, I know that you were super bullish on Paul Reed and uh, and he's he is like as you mentioned a, a permanent monster. I am quite curious to see and if they unleash him, uh, if they fully unleash him or not. Because if is if as you say, and I think it's worth the ad. I mean, it, it's certainly worth the ad. It's definitely worth the ad. But it, you know, it's. Uh, there's a decent chance that we we do see a a 30 minute Paul Reed, and if that's the case, then you're looking at a top 60 guy, top 50 guy, maybe. But uh, I I just kind of my hunch is that they're going to kind of more platoon it a little bit, and you know we'll see a little bit more uses going to Tobias Harris. The you know Reed's minutes might go from 10 to 20, and he and he could still have a lot of fantasy relevance. But I'm not necessarily. Uh, willing to coronate them at, at this point. Yeah, that's all fair. It's a good breakdown. Uh, I, I haven't penciled in for more like about 27 minutes a game. And that's what he was able to play uh, in his start against, I believe, the Jazz yesterday. Uh, and so I pulled up hashtag basketball's next man up tool, which I love doing uh, when mm-hmm. I'm trying to get a gauge of what to expect post-injury. So luckily we have a decent sample size. Uh, 13 games for Paul Reed this season without Joel Embiid and 12 for Mo Bamba. And in those 13 games, Paul Reed is averaging 26 minutes a game, 11.6. Yeah, yeah, that that surprised me too. I will be honest that what I'm about to tell you did surprise me a bit, but it does confirm my priors a little bit. So Paul Reed, 26 minutes a game, 11.6 points, seven boards, two and a half assists, 1.5 blocks, and 1.2 steals. Uh, He doesn't kill you from the free throw line. He's a 69% shooter, and he's a 56% uh, field goal shooter. Um, so Mo Bamba, uh, 16 minutes a game. And again, I think there could be some game to game variance, but I think this is close to what it will look like in a couple of weeks. If we, we see him beat out and I think we will for at least three weeks, uh, Mo Bamba in 15, 15.7 minutes, 6.3 points, five boards under a dime, 0.6 steals, 0.7 blocks. Like you said, um, his three point shooting, he takes 0.6 a game, makes them at a 39% clip. Um, and his field goal percentage is at 50. Uh, so, so yeah, you get 0.63s. With Reed, you get 0.53. So that's actually kind of a wash there. Uh, so, yeah, I like Mobamba's skill set as far as, like, you know, what he should be able to do if he really cared. B-ball, Paul Reed's just kind of a grinder. So in a deeper format, I like a grab a Mobamba. 
but I'm I'm calling Paul Reed a must-have in every 12-team league, regardless of size. Um, I cut Malik Monk for him in our league of record, and I, I didn't really hesitate. I just think I might be able to find that kind of scoring, you know, grab it like we talked about a Tim Hardaway or um, even Harrison Barnes when he's hot or uh, any Bogdanovich if they're available. And I just think it's harder to find a center. It's power forward eligible too, so you get the power forward el- and center eligibility. Uh, they could be top 60 for a month. So for me, you got to grab me a ball ball read. You see him. Uh, it sounds like you you see him almost in like in a Daniel Gafford uh, type uh, role the rest of the season. Yeah, I think so. I I definitely I think he's a more talented NBA basketball player than Gafford. But kind of like Mo Bamba, I think Gafford's a good comp in that we don't care how good he necessarily is if he's putting up the numbers and has the role. So the good call. Yeah, I think he's a little more talented, but he has the Gafford role. Uh, and they're invested in him. You know, they, he was 50th overall pick, but they've kept him. They gave him, they matched. It was actually the Jazz that gave him a three-year contract. I think right. for about, and so they they matched that. It was about three years and I believe $41 million. Uh, and they paid him. So now's the time to, to, you know, cash in on that investment with him beat out. That's a, that's a good point. I forgot about that, that uh, free, restricted free agency signing. Yeah. And so I think it was a good match, but uh, you know, at the time it's, it's one of those a little similar. And you brought up when we did our glue guys episode on Nas raid, you're thinking, how are you budgeting that out? And honestly, the Sixers might've been wise to uh, cash in on their investment a little bit early. I don't know if you watched that game against golden state. Uh, I actually had a four way parlay and he was the last leg and it was a big, a big hit. And I bet the over under scoring kind of like a fool uh, just because I had you know, he had missed a couple games, but I was thinking he would be well rested. He was not ready for that game. He looked hobbled. It was really uncomfortable to watch. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting too. I mean, and when we kind of wrap this up, but it'll be, I'll be curious to see if the Sixers use some of that draft capital that they got to uh, bolster the, their front court rotation just until he can get back. If they, if they think yeah. that this is their title chances too. So um, more to play, more to come, I think on that as well, but I, uh, but we're both really interested in seeing what uh, Paul Reed can bring. Yeah. Good call. They definitely have been uh, linked to some big names and yeah, I think they're going to need to, to make a move here. We're going to make a move to our MIDI deep dive. So what's calling your name? Is it Charlotte Hornets who, um, you did hang up when I brought them up, or do you want to start with uh, looking at what the heck's going on in Memphis? Well, I'm thinking maybe let's start with the Hornets. We'll put our listeners to sleep, and then you can you can gently wake them back up with this Grizzlies talk. You know, it's uh, kind of kind of keep people guessing a little bit that way. For full effects, put this next part of the pod on 0.5 speed. <laughs> um, <laughs> But so I, I was curious about uh, we, we wanted to investigate a few of these teams that uh, for all intents and purposes have been eliminated from the playoffs already. And so they don't necessarily have anything to play for as far as real wins and losses go. But but clearly they have a lot of guys that can bring a lot of fantasy value uh, to the table and, and a lot of new names that we, we we're not quite sure how those are all going to shake out. And so we will each want to kind of take a look at some of these things and, and wanted to start with the Hornets here. And so they're, they're finally after a decade or so of spinning their wheels under the Michael Jordan leadership in a an attempt to sell out to get the eighth seed are finally tearing everything down to the studs. Um, but just to kind of keep this uh, construction analogy going, they're finding out that even some of the studs are, have some dry rot and termite damage too. So, um, <laughs> but uh but it, it's interesting. So, I mean, 
Gone is is uh, Terry Rogier as of January 23rd, and his 23 points and 27% usage is is off the table. And we have the trade deadline coming up in just a few days from now, about a week. And so we'll see we'll see what else comes down the line. Perhaps Gone is is my guy, uh, Gordon Hayward, who's 51% rostered for some reason. Uh, and, uh, I, and- I do want to say, never have I been less excited about a usage vacuum being created when Rozier went to Miami. Mm. You're looking, you're looking at it and you're like, okay, if you already have a guy that some uses funnels too great. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm looking forward to hearing where the intrigue is on that one because yeah, once Rozier went out the door, I was like, well, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. There, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a lot of guys that were like screaming yeah. for that like spot. It was more like, huh? Okay. What, what are they going to do with this? Uh, so, um, you know, and then, but perhaps also kind of factored into this, you know, Maybe Dunn is your guy, Mark Williams, too, who's still 76% rostered for some reason. We have no timetable on him. And, it's uh, disgusting. And, yeah, and it doesn't look promising at this point. At least we've gotten um, some quotes now, some ugly quotes that make me wish I wouldn't have held so long and then wasted fab money picking him up on a Monday morning. <laughs> you know, what could you do? I mean, yeah, I mean, for two months ago, it looked like it could could have been only a day or two. So, any point. It's hard to say, but so uh, we just kind of wanted to take a look here. You know, what can we look for in the second half of the season? You know, is there any waiver wire gems sitting here? Any sell highs? Um, so, but before we get into it, I just wanted to quickly ask you about uh, about the Hornets and get your opinion. Teal seems like a really polarizing color. Thumbs up or thumbs down on the jersey? Teal has a special place in my heart. It reminds me of 1994. Not you know when Grandma Ma was all the rage, jumping, dunking, and dresses and Converse. Was it Reeboks? I don't know. Uh, Reeboks, Converse, whatever he was wearing. Uh, and you know, besides the Sonics back in the day as a '90s kid, I think I wasn't even want to do this. I had Hornets gear too. I had Orlando Magic gear. They were brands nice. to me. I loved NBA. I just loved NBA gear, and so you know, I had the Hornets starters jacket. And now you know, I think it's blasphemous to rock uh, gear from a from the team that isn't yours you don't get to just wear it like it's cool because you found it at a vintage store you need to support your, you can't just have it all that's my opinion so a little soapbox i think teal can be overrated at times it's not for every occasion but i appreciate what it brought to us in the early 90s and when done right teal can be elite it's a great question yeah, I mean, I just, you have a teal adjacent shirt on right now, and I'm sitting next to a yeah. teal adjacent wall behind me, so I think uh kind of says something here. And then uh, the last one is their court. That's a pretty polarizing court there. Uh, you know, the 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 hive beacomb court uh, pro or con? Yeah, it's the CLT for me on the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's what gets no, me it's, it's bad that's a that's a bad court that's a really bad court and bad I, yeah that that jersey too with no good the teal's awesome that jersey no that for some reason that beehive court reminds me of david wesley's ears <laughs> 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 that in the yeah the, the late 90s early 2000s the baron davis kind of era teams uh oh man i kind of was fond of the court but it seems very distracting but after some of these courts they were rolling out the city edition courts Oh, yeah. know, take me back to the to the mundane days of the Hornets court. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen some extremes. Um, all right, so, so kind of to launch in the players here, I'm going to kind of run through most of the roster, a couple of the guys deep, and then just kind of uh, bruise through the rest of the roster here. So the first question I wanted to ask is, you know, kind of if, if you're rostering LaMelo, what are you doing with him? Um, on one hand, you know, he's the number 23rd player as far as per game averages on the season. On the other hand, he's missed 24 of them. Uh, in fact, 
He's, uh, you know, the, the Hornets have been building around him, but on the other hand, you know, and, you know, and he's one of the most entertaining players in the entire league, you know, as far as like, if you could go to watch a game, you know, he's going to be a fun ticket to, to watch. He's one of the highest selling jerseys. I understand why they're building around him. On the other hand, I think in real life, he's one of the most overrated players in the league. And he misses an incredible amount of time as far as uh, rostering him for fantasy purposes. In fact, he misses an average of 32 games per year. You know, um, and I imagine having him in Dynasty. Like, re, like season long is one mm. thing, and that's frustrating. You kind of knew what you are getting into when you went after LaMelo. Maybe you bought low on him, and that's cool. But, like, Dynasty as an asset, it's tough uh, because he does this every year. You know, um, I, you know what I would have liked to see? What would the mellow ball look like now if the Warriors would have taken him over James Wiseman in that draft in a winning culture? Um, because it's not just the injuries. It's the lackadaisical play. It's that he acts oh. like he's a, he acts like he's the only one in an and one mixtape. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's 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 a complete ridiculous disinterest to defense other than going for steals even in that that time when they were in the play-in game it was he couldn't even be bothered to like oh. run back up in the court it was it was tough to watch i remember that um, playing game was, the playing game was hideous oh it was terrible so so here's the question i wanted to ask you so i mean i think the hornets are are, are bad enough that they that he's not a shutdown candidate that they can lose with or without him and it doesn't really matter uh will they be a little bit extra careful with his uh current and upcoming uh, ankle injury, probably. But so my question is, if you roster him yeah. or if you don't have roster him, is he a buy low or a sell high candidate? Um, so if you, I guess I want to answer yeah. that, ask you that first. And then if you're rostering him, I, I have some fake trades for you then at that point too. I, I'm looking forward to that. I don't roster him anywhere personally. And to me at this point, I think you missed the sell high window. I think now people kind of, you take the history coupled with what's happening now, as far as him being doubtful every game, the Hornets having nothing to play for, and they don't need to lose games, but they're perfectly willing to, I hate the term shutdown. It's definitely overused. But depending on when your fantasy playoffs are, and the Hornets have a two-game week in the fan, in the in the standard fantasy uh, playoffs, um, which is hmm. I know something Josh Lloyd has talked about a lot when referencing Lamelo. Um, so you got the two-game week, and I think you know a lot of if you're if you're playing in the April, you're not gonna you're not gonna have Lamelo Ball in your fantasy playoffs. So take a look at when your playoffs are and to kind of judge his value for your team. But I think you just gotta hold him. I think you're not gonna get. Val, unless if there's just some uh, a huge Lamelo fan, and by now if you have Lamelo Ball, I bet you've thrown out plenty of trade offers. If you haven't, you're being irresponsible. But you know, I would trade him for a Cade Cunningham. I would trade him, and, and I'm looking forward to hearing some of yours. But uh, maybe somebody with like less ceiling, less per game value. It's going to be difficult, but he is a popular player, so I never want to say never. But my guess is that it's you're going to just want to hold and try to soak up the, you know, the weeks when he does play, maybe try to sell high at that point. If your trade down line hasn't passed, um, but buying low on the mellow, I'm not interested uh, unless if you're it's a hail Mary, if you mm. are eighth or ninth in your league and you just need talent, I could see it. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a really good thought for that. That's much better than the fake trades that I had brought up. And uh, <laughs> I just kind of was, was curious about whether you trade him for you know, somebody like a top 75, would you trade him for uh, a Drew Holiday or a CJ at this point? Like, are you willing to exchange upside for stability? But I think the way that you referenced as far as uh, where you are in, in the in the standings makes a lot more sense. If I'm in the top three, Nate, 
and I have Drew Holiday, I will definitely trade him for a shot at LaMelo Ball. I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty good one. CJ, it's a little closer. Uh, but again, if I have a deep team, you know, sometimes when you look at your roster and you think to yourself, how am I going to pick up a guy off the waiver if I need to because my team is just too deep? If I could if I could put LaMelo into an IL plus in and out and, you know, trade CJ and open up a, a streaming spot, I might consider something like that. But I, that's a bit of a Galaxy brand move. It may not pay off, but that sort of thing entices me. Yeah, yeah. I guess it depends on how many IR positions your league has as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, weekly moves as well. Yeah. Um, so moving on with with him out of the lineup, uh, which he has been for a good chunk of the season, the actual flow of the team has has seemed to be what you know just watching the games has gone really through Brandon Miller and Miles Bridges. Um, Brandon Miller has really has been one of the most popular pickups over the last uh, month or so, and he's really flourishing offensively. Then um, the number seventy first ranked player since the Cherry tra- scary cherry scary Terry trade, um, and. And offensively, he just looks a lot more confident. So it looks like he's playing under control, playing without that. You know, in, in summer league, we just saw a guy that that everything was moving pretty quickly, didn't quite put it together. And at this point, things have really slowed down for him. You know, he's averaging 21, four and a half and three, two and a half threes, good percentages. The, the defensive number is the only thing holding him back at this point. Uh, although that being said, tonight he had six stocks. So, he had you a know, crazy maybe, game tonight. He had a crazy game and he should, you know, you, you watching him, you'd think that he should have that because he's got the length, he's got the athleticism. So um, that could be coming. And so my, uh, my questions for you in regards to Brandon Miller here are, uh, are twofolds uh, is first off is, are we seeing the current high watermark for Brandon Miller on the season at 71? Or do you think that there's another gear that he can finish the second half of the season with, or is this more of an opportunity that he's kind of on a heater and might want to just investigate whether you can get top 60 uh, value back in the trade? I would prefer personally to sell high. If I could get top 60 value uh, for a number of factors, the number one factor being the name on the Jersey. I do think that they're going to try to feature him, but I just don't trust the Hornets, man. If I, if I could lock in a piece that I know is, you know, uh, I don't know. Like, I'd probably rather have DeJounte Murray rest of season. The name just kind of popped in my head. Um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe you could package Brandon Miller with a piece and uh, and get somebody like that, a 45 to 60 player um, who people get tired of having because, you know, they're just a middling veteran, but really they're stable. Uh, I'm not sure because it's interesting. My, my personal experience with Brandon Miller in fantasy so far is I've traded him and I've dropped him. I traded him in a dynasty league um, to get Chris, Chris Porzingis in a league where you can keep him as uh, you wow. can keep a rookie. So it's a league where you keep five players. And so he was not going to make my cut next year. And you get to keep one rookie, five players in a rookie. I have, the, mm. I have 12 and one, I think maybe 13 and one now. And I'm just like pile driving towards this title. So I was willing to move it to a move him to a team. Uh, and I picked up Vince Williams Jr., who we're going to talk about. Uh, and the production's been the same, um, uh, you know, but obviously the pedigree is very different. So he's a perplexing one. I don't have a really clear answer on what to do with Brandon Miller. Other than if somebody's salivating, I'm willing to trade him for the right for the right package. Yeah, I guess it's all about what, what every, everybody else values him at. Yeah, um, it does. So speaking of how you value him, it, just a quick hitter before we move on. The uh, better career long term when it's all said and done. You taking uh, Jabari Smith or Brandon Miller? Brandon Miller. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I might too as well. I think the, the offensive ceiling is a little bit higher. There's been too much regression this season and, and just the clunker games. And I guess, 
you see him out of a player like Brandon Miller as a rookie too. And next year he'll probably, I would think he's not going to take a jump to like, you know, top 40 young, you know, 40 player in the league. So maybe it's a similar case. Um, but I think I'd rather take the scoring upside of Brandon Miller. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's a good question. Um, Well, well constructed. Yeah. So last, last of the real Hornets guys, then I'm going to kind of just do some quick hitters on some more of a, um, you know, un- unearthed guys. So that's PJ Washington to touch on here. Who's actually been the biggest beneficiary since the, since the Terry Rozier trade, he's the 64th ranked player in the league since that uh, Rozier has moved on. And that was highlighted by that 43 point game that he had a couple days after the trade, which was kind of came out of nowhere. And it was a uh, classic. PJ. Just, yeah. And luckily I randomly streamed him that day. Did uh, you really? But uh, yeah, nice. I did. Yeah. It didn't even make any sense. It was just a chance, but uh, the, but since the trade, he's averaging 19 points, four and a half boards, two uh, two assists, basically three threes and 1.5 stocks, great mm. percentages. Uh, I mean, he's just been really putting it together. Uh, you know, I was watching him, uh, I was wa- went through and watched the game earlier today and just kind of, I was just curious. I, I wanted to just spend, spend a whole half just tracking him and watching him play. Nice. So I wanted to get a sense you know, he, he kind of just blends in on the court, and so he's an easy guy to miss. And so I just wanted to just see what he looks like the entire game. And Wait, were you grinding t- for the love of the game? Uh, you know, my uh, you my were. COVID was scorching hot, so I had nothing else <laughs> to do but sit on the couch. Um, yeah, but I, I came away uh, thinking he's he was an interesting player because he is, uh, I'm calling him slow feet and fast hands. He often was slightly out mm-hmm. of position, a, a half step slow, but he was able to get his hands into passing lanes and disrupt passes, get blocks. Yeah. He was able to get some shots off when he didn't necessarily have enough space or to get <clears throat> a really good look, but he was able to kind of make those. So it was, uh, it was, it was an interesting thing. Uh, at this point, he's slow he's feet, seven, fast hands. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was the strangest thing. I, I, I I I didn't leave watching that game with any clarity, and so this is where I'm going to ask you about it, and yeah. uh, hope that you provide me the clarity. But uh, so I got two questions for you on about PJ Washington. The uh, at, at this point he's 70 percent rostered, um, so you know he's he's owned in most places, and uh, and I think at this point I, I, he's pretty safe to say that he's a rest of season hold if possible. Right. Uh, but but first off, and this isn't necessarily about PJ Washington, but uh, I kind of was thinking like he he's a rest of season hold if possible. The caveat being that if it's a, if it's a Sunday and you you need he's not playing, you drop him, you stream in somebody else to win the week. And so I was trying to think we kind of need a name for that type of player, you know, a guy that you, that you have you're willing to drop in case of emergency. And so I was trying to think of a name for it. And I want to hear if you have anything on the tip of your tongue. The closest one that I had that came to mind was uh, like a weekday warrior. You know, he's grinding for your team Monday through Friday, but you know, yeah. weekend comes, he doesn't have any games. Eh, you could probably drop him, but that's uh, pretty good. We got to workshop this. I, I like it. First thing that popped in my head was, uh, was last cut all-stars like the team. Last of the, cut all-star team of the players that can be your last cut, but you prefer not to. I like that. I like that all snub team. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the, the the main one I had about PJ Washington though is, and, and I don't know if you have a take on this or not, but I I I got PJ takes I just all day. Don't, I just don't know, and I've wondered about this for two years. Is the question is is he a better real life player or a better fantasy player? 
I'm going to take a deep breath. I have a lot of feelings about PJ Washington. So we'll start from the beginning. Yeah, he's he's UK 2K. He's University of Kentucky alum. He played two seasons there. Wildcat corner. Wildcat, little wildcat <laughs> corner for you. Why I loved your slow feet, <laughs> your slow feet, fast hands uh, observation was because in college, I was like, is this dude 29 years old? <laughs> like he played, mm. he played high block exclusively. He shot a lot of 18 footers. And like any time he wanted, he could just like, turn around, take three dribbles and just like get a layup. Like at any time he was just like an athletic specimen that liked to shoot jumpers. Uh, and he did play kind of slow and methodical and he kind you could kind of just tell there was a lot of meat on the bone with what you, with what you were seeing in college, as far as his talent. And he continues to leave meat on the bone. Yeah. I think he is. I think he's an incredible talent. I think he's more talented than he is productive in fantasy. And I think he's a better fantasy player than he has been an asset to an NBA team at this point. With the caveat that he's only played for the Charlotte Hornets, so give the man a break. We're not sure because he's never mm. worn another jersey until he takes off the CLT. I don't know if we'll ever fully know. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I I am so curious on what his trade value is around the league, and uh, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if a team were to throw out, you know, two 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 two, two first round picks and a swap for him. And I also would be surprised if he just went for four seconds or something silly well nate he was a free agent until like labor day do you remember he was like one of the last relevant players it didn't make any sense i i just assumed somebody was going to dangle a fat contract for him and like you said he was the number 12th overall pick in the draft so he's got a good pedigree but i dangle uh, something fat (laughs) (laughs) that's that's not for this pod that's for your only pay only fans but you know it's uh sometimes the the content blurs uh, on this thing here uh, thank you yeah i don't i don't have anything to say um so moving on to back to to bryce mcgowan's please bryce mcgowan's exactly who i was gonna go for and he's a guy that uh we i feel like we have to talk about because he he is at this point starting he's starting the place of Lamelo, um and the and there are some things that are intriguing about him. You know, he's he's a second year player. He's uh, he's a second year player that's starting. And so for that reason, you have to take a look at him. He had a great game tonight, uh, put it together kind of defensively. Watching him, he he looks to me like a lanky teenager DeJounte Murray. Uh, he does. He does. He has a similar looking body. He doesn't have the same yes. like giant shoulder, small head, but he but the arms and like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And he does. I mean, he still has bigger shoulders than yeah, most guys of his frame have. Like, it looks like he's going to grow into it at some point, but just hasn't. Um, and he was a second round pick out of Nebraska. He came out of Nebraska after, you know, just after his freshman year. For some reason, it didn't really make a ton of sense. And so he got drafted super late in the second round. But uh, but, you know, he started he's at 11 starts at this point for Charlotte and watching him play. You know, it, the game just looks a little quick for him. He doesn't, he isn't quite sure when to assert himself, mm-hmm. when to kind of take shots. There's been a couple instances that even when he had uh, the opportunities, it just wasn't the confidence wasn't quite there. But uh, I think he's somebody that you need to keep a close eye on. Um, yeah, you know, he, he had a great game tonight versus Oklahoma City. But I think, really, I think it's a more likely you're keeping an eye on him for for next year. But uh, but keep an eye on him. You got to keep an eye on anybody starting at this point. Well, anybody who played DFS last April knows the name Bryce McGowns. And he's a name when silly season hits that I think we'll be talking about again. Even though it shouldn't be silly season now for the Hornets, it is. But think, I mean, they're still pumping 
you know, some minutes into some established players. Um, so I think Bryce McGowan's usage could go up as the games become even more meaningless, not just for the Hornets, but for their opponents. Yeah. Um, so the last two names just kind of touch, touch on one really quickly. Um, Nick Richards, he needs to be picked up in more places. He's just yeah. 52% rostered. We've he finally, all been slow. He finally been all slow to do it. Yeah. You know, and I understand why, you know, they were stringing us along, like we mentioned on the center rotation. But at this point, uh, you got to pick up Steve Adams lights. You know, he's just, he's just, he's just giving you the production. So it's not sexy, but uh, yeah. you got to do it. Um, and, the one guy that I'm I'm actually quite curious on, um, this is somebody that I'm not advocating to pick up now, but I think you, we want to keep a close eye on him. And, I, and I'm kind of thinking that he's going to be on quite a few rosters come playoff time for fantasies, that is, is Nick Smith Jr. Yes, good call. This is a good name, Stash Away. Um, he's, he's a rookie out of Arkansas, mm-hmm. and it's he's a really interesting case. So he was... It's it's a really fascinating guy, and so I think there's a lot of reasons to be paying attention to him. He was a, a first round pick out of Arkansas. He was kind of the back, the less heralded backmate of Anthony Black in the draft. I liked him better like, when I watched game Kentucky games. I liked him better. Oh, nice. Yeah, it, it was interesting. So he was a consensus top three recruit out of high school. Uh, consensus five star. You oh. know, a lot of. Twenty four seven sports had him the number one recruit out of high school. I did not but know I, that. Either did I. Um, but due to knee injuries, yeah. he was only limited to seven games at Arkansas, yeah. so he just didn't quite get the run. And he decided to go to go into the draft, right. and he, for that reason, he slipped to number twenty seven. Great value, uh, yeah. And, and part of that might have been the knee question marks there. Uh, you know, part of it could have been that. Coming out of high school, all the recruiting services had him listed at 6'5", and then he measured at the combine at 6'2", kind of a big difference. Uh, but uh, but watching him play, you know, he's he's get they're really finding minutes for him at this point, which I think is smart. You know, at this point, once again, like McGowan, the game looks a little quick for him. Um, you know, he's he's not totally comfortable in in the same way that uh, you know that that the rest, you know, that, that Bridges or um, Brandon Miller have kind of found comfort, but, uh, but he, but he's got a great shot on it. In fact, he leads all NBA rookies this season in three point shooting percentage. Uh, yeah. He's the best, best shooting percentage of the entire league. And so I think what you're going to, what we're going to see, I, or my, my question here and what I'm, what I'm really eager to see is, is are we looking at a young Anthony Simons on this team? Because um, he's got a sweet shot. Yeah, he doesn't have the confidence, and he and and when you see him there, he kind of rushes some shots. He fades away when he doesn't mm-hmm. need to. Uh, he kind of he does this kind of like you know he kind of turns just you know easy swing passes into running jumping passes that kind of gets himself into trouble. But his shot is pure, and just like Anthony Simons had that insane breakout at the end of his rookie year. Uh, culminated by that Sacramento game where he went scored for 40 something. I'm wondering if we might see that same thing out of Nick, Nick Smith. I love this one. Um, yeah. I was surprised that they didn't mess that pick up when he fell that far. And, and I, I was impressed that they nabbed him. I was surprised it was the Hornets who did it. Um, so come March and April, definitely Nick Smith is a player. I more anticipating being a, a rosterable fantasy asset than Bryce McGowan's. 
um, higher pedigree, higher. I, I think he had just he's more skilled. Um, the three point percentage is interesting. I'm wondering as the volume comes up, kind of what that will look like. Um, but yeah, I think he's a super talented player. Probably the most intriguing potential usage vacuum as far as like a guard for guard out of the Terry Rozier trade. It's just like not happening all at once. But yeah, definitely want to keep your eye on. If you use the watch list feature, just click the star. You know, mm. file file that away. But uh, no, Nick Smith is going to have some lines that make us go. Ooh before the season's all said and done before the Hornets get their 12th win in April, we're going to see some nice Nick Smith lines. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice subtle dig there right there at the end. Well, that's all I got on the Hornets. And and if you've been listening this long uh, to the Hornets, so you clearly might be a little sleepy. So I might uh, recommend that you head over to steelbridgecoffee.com backslash PTJ, order yourselves up some, some really exceptional coffee. Um, You know, you're, you're talking, this is, about a nickel more, maybe a little bit less per cup than whatever just uh, standard uh, big coffee that you're getting from the grocery store. But this is getting delivered to your house. It's fair trade. It's uh, organic, and it 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 tastes awesome. You know, do yourself a favor. Head over to SteelBridgeCoffee.com, back to SPTJ, and uh, and wake yourself up. Just like uh, this Grizzlies talk is about to wake us up. <laughs> so uh, the bicycle deliveries are back on in the Greater, greater Salem, Oregon area post ice storm. Confirmed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, I think, I don't know if you got over quite the uh, the sting of having to car deliver that one day. But uh, but I think it's at this point I, I, saw him, I saw him biking up there just yesterday. Let's go. Check out the website. Okay. Projecting the jump, projecting the jump, projecting the jump, projecting the jump. It's Nathan, Licky, and Jay. They're projecting the jump today. Will they guess right? Nobody knows. It's a podcast. It's about basketball. It's about coffee sponsors. 